be seated. Tell you what, Rick, just go ahead and sing with the choir and we'll keep right on rolling. And there's no doubt about it 
But this man's needs are more serious than mine. Suppose that second man said no need to bother. This man's condition will remain the same. Though Jesus touched my head when it was withered, I don't believe he can heal a man so lame. Suppose that third man said I hate to question, but no one here is more skeptical than me. Though Jesus cleansed me when I was a leper, this helpless man will never walk, you see. Then every eye was turned to the fourth man to see how he might criticize and doubt. But all three men were startled with amazement when that fourth man stopped and said his name out loud. He said, my name is Lazarus, could I testify? My name is Lazarus, feels good to be alive. When I in chains of death was bound, this man named Jesus called me out. Yes.
the city of life for the armies of angels with all of their might are patiently waiting together Heaven's choir stands silent, they're waiting to sing. and I. Let's all stand tonight, please, as the choir comes down and takes their place amongst you. Let's just everybody get out. Get out amongst everybody else. Get out, shake hands. Don't wait on anyone. No one's going to steal your seat. Get out, shake hands. Make, every, make sure everyone's welcome tonight.
As I journey through this land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson cloak. Many arrows pierce my soul from without within, but my Lord leads me on through him I must win. Oh, I want to sing him, look upon his fame, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, tears all past home at last, ever to Before me billows run from the mighty deep. Then my Lord directs my part, he does safely keep. And he leads me gently on through this world below. He's a real friend to me. You may be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. I believe with all my heart, Jesus is soon to come, don't you? Uh, he may come tonight. If he does, I'm ready to go, looking forward to it. And, but until then, I'm enjoying the trip. I'm not only waiting for heaven, I'm enjoying a little bit on the way. It's been a Now, you can't understand what we say when we worship, but I'll tell you one thing. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. I say he is worthy of all of our praise. We come to church to worship him. We come to church to glorify him. Do you realize that's what we're going to do throughout all of eternity? We're sinners that ought to have been in hell, but he saved us. And throughout all of eternity, all we're going to do, listen, we're not going to do anything but just worship him and praise him. And glorify him. Can I get an amen right there? One more time, give him praise. He is worthy of it. Glory be to God. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Amen. You enjoy the witness tonight. Give them a good hand. What a blessing. Praise the Lord. That's great. I'll tell you, they're some of my favorite people. And I praise the Lord for them. Thank God for them. I appreciate Brother Bob Darty. I tell you, I, I wish sometimes that I had the ability uh, to put in words how much I love Bob and Evelyn. They have been dear friends for hours for a number of years. And my heart is often reminded of the people that God puts in our lives along the way. And uh, Bob and Evelyn Darty has, has been one of those. We thank the Lord for him. First time I ever had him for a meeting in Wilkesboro, North Carolina. It snowed 18 inches. I mean, it was, uh, the guest symphony quartet was with us on Sunday night, and the snow was up to the running boards of that bus. Bob come in, it was worse, and snowed. And then after he preached four nights, you talking about cold. It was cold. Can't get a man right there. But he is a blessing. I love the man of God and Bob. Let's welcome him once again to the services. He's bringing the word of God. Thank you, Thank you, brother. You may be seated. Well, I tell you, if you haven't been blessed tonight, your blessers broke. Amen. Wonderful just to be here in the house of the Lord and enjoy all the good things God has for us. Praise the Lord. I love good singing, and I love to hear folks sing that know what they're singing about. Amen. Praise the Lord for His goodness and grace. Uh, I remember when I was with Brother Ken in that meeting, 
the power had gone out. I preached on Monday night in an overcoat. That's how cold a church he had. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. God's so good. I noticed uh, all of the folks were wearing hearing aids. <laughs> yeah, I've discovered that seniors are the largest carriers of AIDS of any other group. I'm talking about hearing aids, band-aids, roll-aids, you name it, they spread it. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, I always love to come back to a temple, a lot of good memories here. My son-in-law was saved in the balcony there. And uh, he's pastoring now in Carnesville, Georgia. God's blessing, and uh, we appreciate him, appreciate what God did for him, and uh, always love to come with Brother Ken. Uh, it's so uh, generous, and uh, I appreciate his love. He and Sherry have been a tremendous blessing to Evelyn and I, and I thank you for praying for Evelyn. Now, there was talking about being married 13 years. Next month, Evelyn and I will be celebrating our 49th wedding anniversary. I'll tell you, she's sweeter now than she was when I got her, amen? And I've decided I'm just going to keep her. Uh, I appreciate my wife, and I appreciate you praying for her. As many of you know, three years ago, she was diagnosed with non-Hotskin's lymphoma. That's cancer of the lymph nodes. And uh, the doctors, after finding that out, just sewed her back up. Nothing they could do surgical. She went through chemotherapy and radiation. And uh, it didn't give us a lot of hope. But uh, this is three years later. And here she is, looking great. And uh, for a year now, her cancer has been in remission. She went just a few weeks ago for a CAT scan, and the doctor said there's been no changes in the past year. Thank you for praying for her. The Lord knows how much I need her with me in my travels. Amen. I need her to look after me. I've mentioned uh, before I went to a meeting while she was sick. She wasn't able to go with me, and I got there, and on Saturday night, I always lay out all my clothes for Sunday. I was doing that and discovered that I had brought no white shirts. I was wearing a short sleeve silk sports shirt, only shirt I had with me. And I thought, well, for in the morning, I can maybe get by wearing this silk shirt. So I put a tie on it, and the collar stuck right up my face. <laughs> and I knew I wouldn't be able to do that. And the next morning, down at Walmart, I bought me a new shirt. I went to the church, and I told them my dilemma. I said, my wife's not with me. She helps me pack. And uh, I left her in the hospital. My son was bringing her home that day. And uh, I said, I've left all my shirts at home. That church bought me five brand-new shirts. I told Evelyn about it, and I said, I may pull this again sometime. Amen. <laughs> Just go off and leave my shirts where I can get some new ones. Amen. But thank you, Brother Ken, for having me and Evelyn to come. If you will, please open your Bible with me to the book of Matthew chapter 8. Our scripture lesson tonight will begin at verse 5. We'll read down through verse 10, and then we'll read verse 13. And from these verses of Scripture, I want to share the message I feel the Lord has placed upon my heart for this hour tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand again, if you will, while we read the Scriptures. I'll have just a brief word of prayer, and then have you to be seated for the message tonight. And it'll do us good to get a little spiritual uh, exercise. Amen? Amen. Verse 5. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, 
there came unto him a centurion besieging him, and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Verse 13, Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same hour. Would you pray with me, please, our Father? How grateful we are tonight for the manifestation of your presence in this place. And Lord, we're made to realize, after all, it's your presence that makes the difference in any service we're in. We're just thank you, Lord, tonight for meeting with us in this hour and blessing us through the wonderful singing. Now I pray that you will bless the reading of your word. And I pray for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to be upon me as your servant tonight as I share with this waiting audience the message I feel you've placed upon my heart for this hour. I pray in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated. I want to preach from the thought given in verse 10 as we look at this story as a whole and talk about great faith. Now, the Bible talks about some that had no faith, others that had little faith. But here was a man that the Bible tells us that had great faith. And I want us to look at his faith and draw a lesson that I trust will be a blessing and a help to you down the road. In reading the story, if you read it also in the book of Luke chapter 7, and the first 10 verses, Luke sheds a little more light on the situation. And Luke tells us that this servant was very dear to the centurion. Now that was very unusual in those days because usually a man that had a servant or slaves treated them as a commodity and not as a human being. But here was a man that had a slave that was very dear to his heart. Luke lets us know also that this servant was at the very point of death when this man was looking for Jesus. Also, Luke tells us the man did not feel worthy or did not feel, no doubt, being a Roman, that Jesus would come and minister for him and so he went to the elders of Israel and he asked the elders of Israel if they would seek this Jesus out and bring him to his home where Jesus might heal his servant that lay at the point of death. And the Bible tells us that these elders consented to do so, not because they believed in the ministry of our Lord, but because this Roman centurion had built the Jewish nation a synagogue and had given it to them for worship. And so they felt obligated and they went to Jesus and approached him and got him to come to this centurion's home. Now the centurion meets him and says, I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. With that in mind, I want to share, if time will permit tonight, three simple thoughts from this story that's before us. 
I want us to look first of all at the ministry of faith. Faith has a definite ministry in each of our lives. First of all, there's the need of faith in our lives. There's the need of faith for salvation. No person in all New Testament times has ever gotten saved apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and 1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, the Bible said, For by grace, through faith, are you saved, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not of works, lest any man should boast. We need faith for salvation. But also there's a need in our life for faith, for service. Hebrews 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you want your life to please Him as you serve Him, you must live the life of faith. Hebrews 10, 38 says, The just shall live by faith. That's what God expects of us all to live the life of faith. We need faith to serve him. But also, I want to talk about not only as we look at the ministry of faith, the need of it, but I want to speak a moment about the nature of faith. One of our problems is we tell God what we want, and then in turn we try to tell God how to give it to us. Isn't that the way we do it? What we need to do is simply exercise faith and say, God, here's my need, and then allow the Lord to give it his way to you and I. He may choose an entirely different path than we would think of. Now, this is going to be hard to believe, but let me share it with you. I pastored a church some years ago and I had some members in it that didn't like me. I know that's hard to believe, but it's the truth. I did. These folks were what we call a millennial. They did not believe in the second coming of Jesus Christ. And when I'd preach about it, they'd get upset. One fellow in particular who was a deacon, he visited in the neighborhood trying to get me run off. And they put pressure on me. And I was having it tough financially. I remember one day I was riding down the road with a preacher friend of mine. And I said to him, I'd like to share a prayer request with you. I have a real need I want to share. He said, what is it, preacher? I said, uh, I need a new set of tires for my car. And I can't afford them. I, I just don't have the money to buy them with. I said, you don't recognize it but you're riding on air and prayer. <laughs> I mean, I had some tires on that car that was so slick, you could almost see the air in them. He began to weep. He said, preacher, I feel God in this thing. I believe God's going to do something for you. Why don't we just pull over here on the side of the road and pray about this thing? We pulled over on the side of the road and had an old-fashioned prayer meeting. I'll tell you, God came down in our midst in that car, and I left that day with assurance God was going to give me a new set of tires from the car. I went back to church the next Sunday morning. Before my music director sung the first song, he broke down, began to weep, and he said to those in the audience, God kept me up all night last night. The Lord was talking to me about our pastor. And the Lord told me that our pastor had some definite need. And he told me he needed a new set of tires. Now I want to show you how baptistic he was. He said, and when I got here this morning, I looked and they're all slick. He needs a set of tires. I'm going to be at the door this morning. If you'd like to contribute, we'll get him a set of tires. He came to me after the service and he said, Brother Bob, 
I didn't get enough money this morning to buy you some tires, but I sprung this on the folks, and maybe I can uh, get more tonight. I'm going to do it again. I said, brother, you just do what God says. Come back that night. He gave a very tearful plea, stood at the door that night, and he come after the service and stuck some money in my coat pocket. He said, preacher, I don't think I got enough money for a set of tires, but maybe this will help you. I said, thank you, brother. God's going to bless you as if I already had the tires on my car because you've done what God told you to do. I went home that night, went to bed. The next morning, about 5 o'clock, my telephone rang. First thing the fellow said when I answered was, did I get you up? Five o'clock in the morning. I said, no, you didn't get me up the phone run, and I had to answer it. <laughs> he said, how much money did you get yesterday for your tires? I said, who is this? It was that deacon that did not like me. I told him, and he said, could you take the wheels off your car? I said, why, sure. He said, I'll be there between 45 minutes and an hour. If you can have them off, we'll get you some tires. <laughs> Praise God, I don't believe I've ever dressed this fast. I went out. When he pulled up about 45 minutes to an hour later, I had my car sitting on blocks, all four tires sitting on top of one another, and I was sitting on them waiting on him. We loaded those wheels and tires up and took them down to Atlanta, Went into a tire store. Oh, man. We was looking at a set of, I'm talking about beautiful. They had tread on them. <laughs> Something I hadn't seen for quite a while. And as we was looking, I was thinking about, man, this is going to dress my car up. And about that time, that fellow started weeping. I said, what's the matter, brother? He said, God won't let me do it. God won't let me do it. I said, God won't let you do what, brother? He said, God won't let me buy this set of tires. And I thought, my soul. <laughs> After this man got me up at 5 o'clock this morning, had me to take all my wheels and tires off my car, got me down here, he's not going to buy a set of tires? He began to weep again. The owner of the business saw him and came out, and he said, sir, what's the matter? He said, God won't let me do it. He said, God won't let you do what? He said, God won't let me buy this set of tires. And the owner of that establishment said, why not? I thought later, I wish I'd have thought to ask him that. <laughs> he said, because it's not the best set of tires you got in the house, is it? He said, well, no, it isn't. I got one that's quite a bit more expensive, but it's the best set I got. He said, I knew it. I knew it. That's what I got to get him. I'll tell you, we put those tires on my wheels. We brought them back, put them on my car, dedicated them to the Lord. He started to pull off, and I said, wait a minute, brother. Here's that money they gave me yesterday. He started weeping again. He said, God won't let me take that. You just keep it. I thought, praise God. You can't beat God. Not only did I get a set of tires, but I got a nice offering to go along with them. Amen. I went back to church the next Sunday. I preached just like I always preached. And that fellow went out and criticized me just like he always criticized me. But nevertheless, I got a new set of tires for my car. Now, what am I saying to you, folks? If I'd been making a list of people that I felt would help me get some tires for my car, that man's name would not even have been on that list. You see, I just claimed those tires and let God give them to me his way. Amen. I love the way God works. Now, you deacons around here better be real sweet to Brother Ken. God might make you buy him a new set of tires if you're not. Amen. So you see the nature of faith. It must do it God's way. 
and not our way. Secondly tonight, not only do I want you to see the ministry of faith, as we look at this great faith, but I want us to see the message of faith. What is the message of faith? Look at verse 8, if you will. Three words in this verse. I want you to take your pencil and underscore them for me. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak. Now, here's the three words, underscore them. The word only. Hallelujah. The word only. And my servant shall be healed. That's the message of faith. It's not, the fa it's not faith in a sign. If you got a sign, that nullifies faith and you walk in by sight and not by faith. Amen? It's not, it's not faith and a feeling, even though I like to get the feelings. Amen? But you don't have to have the feeling. It's the word only that we need. If God has said it, praise God, bank on it, it shall come to pass. That's the contents of the message of faith. But not only as we look at the message of faith do I want to see the contents of the message of faith, but I want us to look at the confidence in the message of faith. Now get the last statement of verse 8. He said, Lord, speak the word only and get what he says. And my servant shall be healed. Not might be, not ought to be, but praise God. He said, Jesus, if you command it, I'm going to be looking for it. It shall come to pass. You say, how do you know that? Because I read verse 9. Look at verse 9. Now get this contrast. He said, for I am a man. Now that's in contrast to Jesus. He wasn't a man. He was the God man. He was perfect God and perfect man at the same time. And here was just a man. And by the way, he wasn't even the top man. He said, for I am a man under authority. That's in contrast to Jesus. Jesus has all authority both in heaven and in earth. He is the epitome of, of authority. And he said, I'm not even the top man. But he said, I have soldiers under me. Now, the word centurion itself, Romans sent out their armies. They sent them by legions. They would send a legion at a time. That's 6,000 men together. In order to keep their uh, morale good and in order to keep them uh, under subjection, they chose 60 men to rule over those 6,000. And they called these 60 men centurions. Over 100 is what the word means. And here is a Roman arm uh, officer that had 100 men under his personal command. And he said to Jesus, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go. And he said, Jesus, I'm just a man. I'm not the top man. But I've got enough delegated authority that when I say to that man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. Praise God. I mean, he said, Lord, I can issue a command and make things happen because of the authority that I've got 
as a Roman officer, and if I can do that as a man, how much more can you as the God-man command something to take place? Thank God it shall come to pass. That's the kind of faith that God wants us to have. There's a third thing I want you to see here. Not only the ministry of faith, and not only the message of faith, but in verse 10 and in verse 13, I want us to look at the measure of faith. Now, this is the most important part of the message tonight. Certainly, we need the ministry of faith, and we need to look at the message of faith, but the measure of our faith is of vital importance. I want us to see why. Here's a man that had enough faith. Look at verse 10. It blessed the Savior. Verse 10 said, And when Jesus heard it, he marveled. I hope you get that. When Jesus heard what this man said, and saw the faith that this man had, he marveled. The word marvel comes from a word that means to stand at all. Have you ever seen something that was so outstanding, that was so away from the ordinary, that when you saw it, you said, that's what this word means. Can you imagine Anyone having enough faith to bless the Savior. Folks, that's the measure of faith I want to have. I want to have enough faith that will bless the Savior as to how much I put my trust in Him. It blessed the Savior. But here's what I want you to see. Look at verse 13. Not only did this man's great faith in his measure, blessed the Savior, but it balanced the scales. Verse 13 said, Jesus answered, or Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the same hour. Now, if you will for me, there are two words I want you to underscore in your Bible with your pencil. Two little words, two letters. The word as and the word so. As thou hast believed, then there's the so. So be it unto thee. Now, for just a moment, I want everyone to look at me just for a moment, would you? Let's just suppose right here on this pulpit tonight, I had a set of balances, scales. Here's the upright bar. Here's the cross bar. Here's some chains coming down on this side. Chains coming down over. Here's a pan. And here, can you see these balances in your mind's eye? A set of balances. I want you to see this. Jesus said, as thou hast believed. Now, in essence, what he's saying is, Ever how much faith you lay over here on this side of the scales, no more nor no less will I weigh out in substance for you over here on this side of the scales. As thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. You see, it's important as to the measure of our faith. It's important because according to our faith, so be it unto us. Ever how much faith you got, that's how much substance God's going to weigh out for you. What are you trusting God to do in your church? What are you trusting God to do in your family? What are you trusting God to do 
with your life. Well, as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. Whatever you trust me for, you got it. I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations, and I'll bring the message to a conclusion. We're not turned there for time's sake, but in 2 Kings chapter 3, we have a tremendous story that goes along with this thought. It's the story of Israel going to war. They were fighting an enemy on foreign soil. They had marched to battle away from Israel seven days and ran out of water. I don't know who their statistician was that planned for that battle, but I promise he lost his job. They were in a dilemma. I mean, they faced problems that normally and naturally were unsolvable. They ran out of work seven days away from home. They couldn't go back. They didn't have enough water. They couldn't go forward because just over the hill was the enemy, and they had no strength to fight them. They inquired of the man of God what they were to do. The man of God's name was Elisha. And Elisha said, make this valley full of ditches. I want to tell you something. Making that valley full of ditches was an act of faith. You say, where do you get that, preacher? Well, you know, no doubt one of those fellows was trying to figure God out and he said, I know what's going to happen as soon as we get the ditches dug. God's going to send rain. It'll fill them up. Another guy said, if that don't happen, he'll cause a wind to come and it'll get water out of the sea and bring it and dump it in our ditches and fill them up. And Elisha said, there shall neither be rain nor wind, yet God shall supply. They dug ditches all day long. Now, folks, my recommendation to you, if you're in the desert and you're out of water, would not be to dig horizontally. That's ditches. My recommendation would be to dig vertically. Amen? Deep, straight down. But it was an act of faith. They did what God said. And they dug ditches all day long. And they went home and went to bed. They didn't play soft music and drink hot milk to go to sleep either. Amen. You dig ditches all day, I promise you can sleep. And they slept, and the next morning they awoke. Guess how much water they had? I'll tell you. No more and no less. As they had provided God supply. He filled every ditch they dug to the brim. Amen. Uh oh, by the way, do you know how they could have got more water? That's right. God only supplied as they had trusted Him. I believe God wants us to dig a few ditches tonight. Amen? Put our trust in Him and know that God can bring about the supernatural. There's another illustration. It's in the very next chapter. It's in 2 Kings chapter 4. The story is of a widow woman. She comes to Elisha and she says, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And behold, the creditors are here, and they're going to put my sons into slavery until the dead is satisfied. What can you do for me? And Elisha said to her, what have you got in your house? She said, I don't have anything but a little cruise of oil. Praise God. Little is much when God 
is in it. Amen. And she said nothing save a little cruise of oil. And Elijah said, I want you to go on a vessel borrowing tour. He said, borrow vessels and put an S on it. Borrow vessels. And then he added this statement, borrow not a few. Here in the South, that means get as many as you can get a hold of. She had foot tubs and frying pans and fruit jars and wash pans, stairs, amen. I mean, every kind of vessel you could think of. She had borrowed it and brought it in the house. And she shut the door and sat down and took that cruise of oil. And she said to her sons, bring me a vessel. They brought her a vessel and she poured it full to the brim and set it aside. Bring me yet another vessel. And they brought her another vessel and she filled it full to the brim and set it aside. Bring me yet another vessel and another vessel and another vessel. And finally her son said, there's not yet another vessel to bring. Guess how much oil she got out of that cruise. No more, no less. Exactly as she had trusted him. Every vessel she borrowed was filled to the brim. Now, borrowing those vessels was an act of faith. You say, how you get that? She knew how much oil she had in that cruise. And had she been realistic about this thing, she would have only had to have gotten one vessel that would have held it. But she had faith in God. And he filled every vessel to the brim. Oh, by the way, do you know how she could have got more oil? Somebody tell me. That's right. You see, God supplies according to our faith. That's why it's so important that you have great faith. That's why it's important that you believe God. How many of you have got a neighbor or friend that's unsaved or out of church. Let me see your hands over the house. Almost every hand. Thank you. There's somebody you can trust God for to save and get back in church. How many of you have got a loved one that's out of church or unsaved? Slip your hands up over the house. Again, almost everyone. How many of you tonight have got a definite need in your life? You need God to touch. Let me see your hands over the house. Again, almost every hand. Let me tell you something about those folk and about your need. As you trust God, as you believe Him in that situation, He shall bring it to pass. You say, I don't believe God would save somebody just because I believed Him. I'm living evidence. It works. My brother got my brother-in-law got me to go to church with him on Tuesday night to a revival. He got me to go back with him on Wednesday night to the same revival. And on the way home that night, he talked to me and he said, Bob, would you promise you'll go back with me again tomorrow night? I said, Yeah, I will. He went home that night and prayed for me. He was just a young Christian himself, didn't know much about leading anybody to the Lord or talking to anybody about Jesus. But he knew I needed to get saved. He trusted God for my salvation that night. He went across the street and woke a deacon up that lived across the street and said, God has just assured me Bob is going to be saved tomorrow night. I'm praying for him. Would you pray with me about it? They claimed me for Jesus that Wednesday night. On Thursday, I went back to church with my brother-in-law, and the preacher did one of the most unusual things you'd have ever seen. 
before he preached, after the first song, he stepped down front and he said, God just impressed me to open the doors of the church to receive members. Now, you don't do that at the beginning of the service. You do that at the ending of the service. Isn't that right? But he'd mess things up. He did it right at the start. Well, my brother-in-law was so assured I was going to join that church and be saved that he'd already told his wife, we're going to join. Bob's going to be saved, and we can worship together. And for years, he and I sing together. But uh, he, he said, we're, we're, we're trusting, I've trusted God. And the preacher opened the doors of the church, and here come my brother-in-law down the aisle and joined that church. When I come by, in those days, when somebody joined the church, you didn't do anything else to live by in the church, come by and shook hands with you. You remember those days? And uh, so we was going by shaking hands, and my brother-in-law said, Now, Bob, don't you wait too long. I knew what he was talking about. I started to go back to my seat, and the pastor leaned over the altar bench and said, Young man, would you like to be saved? I said, Yes, sir, I would. Got down, and God saved me by his wonderful grace. You call those people's name in prayer. As thou hast believed. So be it done unto thee. Amen. You lay that need into the hands of Jesus. You know what he's been waiting for? Been waiting to get it out of your hands, into his hands, where he can do something about that need. And if you'll just bring it tonight right here and say, Lord, I'm turning it over to you right now as Thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And the scripture said, and his servant was healed in the self same hour. Glory to God. Praise his name for what God can do when we trust him. Would you stand with me, please?